This is Talk of the Town on Magic 590 plus 100.5. We're also heard in the Glens Falls, Lake George region on 1410 and 96.9. I'm Bob Cudmore, and our guest today is Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. Let me ask you first about a race for office this year. Uh, there was a primary for mayor in the city of Schenectady, and incumbent Gary McCarthy beat the challenger, Sears McCalman, in a rather close Democratic primary. Uh, what do you think the close outcome means? Well, this is an election race that I thought said a little bit more about the incumbent, perhaps, than the uh, the challenger, um, Therese McCallum. She was not very well known, and, you know, sort of a, she was very green, a novice candidate. I mean, she did highlight some of the issues that when people are complaining about things in the city, you'll hear them complain about um, delivery of services, infrastructure such as sidewalks, mm-hmm. and roads being perhaps not in the best condition. But by and large, um, how close she got, it was a bit of a surprise to us. And I think it's because we were focused on how well-known she was, which she wasn't particularly well-known. So I think a lot of Democrats um, marched in there and really were trying to send a message about, you know, a general discontent Mm -hmm. about conditions in the city at the moment, you know, fair or not, because I think Gary can point to, Gary McCarthy, the incumbent, can point to, you know, a lot of development and things like that that have happened over his his term. But it was a much closer result than a lot of people expected, though I did talk to someone who voted for Therese, and she was like, that wasn't a surprise to me at all. And then she, (laughs) you know, listed her grievances. So, you know, I thought this told us something about how people feel about the... um, McCarthy administration at the moment, when I say how people feel, you know, it's a low turnout um, Democratic primary, so you're getting, you know, the the small number of people who will vote in um, a closed uh, primary, but I think these this is the Democratic base, and this is, these are the people who Gary needs their support to win, and you saw a much closer result than I think mm-hmm. anyone really expected, except for disgruntled people I spoke to who voted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, it it is, and of course, Gary McCarthy emphasizes the the low turnout. Is she still running, or is Therese McCallman still running for mayor on some other party Um, line? Yeah, she has not conceded, but actually, um, Gary McCarthy succeeded in taking the Working Families Party line. He got more votes than she did on that line, so she had the endorsement of the Working Families Party, and she was going to be on the ballot on that line, but uh, Gary took it away from her. So she won't be on the ballot, I'm pretty confident. So, no, I mean, people could write her in, but she's not, she won't be on the ballot, and I don't think people, you know, there's not like a write-in mm-hmm. campaign. It's. I think it's basically over. Let's uh, ask you about some other issues in uh, Schenectady City. Hamilton Hill Housing. You wrote about that recently. There's a Hamilton Hill affordable housing complex that uh, faces complaints from the people who live there about security and other issues. What, what are uh, their complaints? Well, there's a number of, uh, you know, primarily around public safety, although some complaints about... Um, think maybe heat or AC not working as well as they wanted, but, but, you know, what's really got them concerned or, 
you know, issues around safety, feeling like, um, you know, this is a building with benches outside for residents to use, feeling like, you know, troublemakers from the neighborhood, people don't live in the building, come and, and sit and loiter around these benches and can even be a little threatening toward them. And uh, that's, you know, just feeling in general like youth throwing rocks at the windows, feeling that there's not enough of a security presence to deter this type of behavior. There were some complaints about, you know, drug use near the building, um, drug sales, that type of thing. And I think the reason it's kind of boiled over into public view is a general sense that the property manager has not done enough to address these mm-hmm. concerns, that they're, you know, they're ongoing. I mean, I first heard kind of rumblings of them you know, maybe five months, five or six months ago. And, you know, this is, we we wrote about them within the past, you know, two weeks. So I think there was a period where I would hear some grumbling kind of in the distance that there was some discontent, but now residents are sort of, they're motivated and they went to a city council meeting. And, you know, I think these are, you know, you invest in this new affordable housing in a neighborhood that doesn't have um, the greatest reputation, you want it to succeed. So, you know, I think it's incumbent upon the property developer to do what they can do to address these concerns, because otherwise it could just undermine the success of, you know, what they're trying to do Mm -hmm. there, which is build safe, affordable housing for people in the neighborhood. Is this a private development, or is it public housing in some way? Yeah, it's a private development. It's it's by a um, nonprofit developer that specializes in building affordable housing. And so, it's a big deal, but it's not public housing through the Schenectady Municipal Housing Group. It's a it's a private developer, and there's another development there with a different developer called Joseph Allen. And the thing is, we're not hearing these complaints about Joseph Allen. It seems pretty quiet. My understanding is they have a much more um, extensive uh, security presence. Um, with a guard that's often monitoring like a bank of, you know, like a surveillance camera. And Mm -hmm. there is a security presence at um, this other development called Hillside View, but not the person's not there as much. So whether having a fuller time security officer would be what's needed to make these problems go away, I mean, we won't know that until they try it. But I do think we don't hear these complaints about Joseph Allen. They do things a little differently. Maybe there's a model there for, you know, how to keep residents of a you know development like this safe and, and secure. We'll uh, come back to uh, Schenectady issues in a moment. We're talking with Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. Let's uh, go up to uh, Saratoga, which uh, your paper and the whole media covers extensively. A racehorse was uh, euthanized, put to death at Saratoga this summer after a fall during a horse race. And there were horse racing deaths that led a popular California track to institute new rules. In your column on this, you raise that the, uh, the very practice of in America of medicating horses may be one factor in horse racing deaths. How so? Well, I think the concern is same-day medication, um, and the particular drug that often gets mentioned is called LASIK, um, L-A-S-I-X, LASIK, and it's used to control um, bleeding in racehorses. You know, some horses, when they run really fast, there's bleed. they have this bleeding maybe in their nostrils, and, 
you know, controlling it helps them race better because they can breathe better. I think the concern is that this is a diuretic. It takes weight off the horses, and, you know, it may really be more a performance-enhancing enhancing drug than, you know, anything else. So, you know, is it good for horses to race when they may be dehydrated? And, you know, just the broader question of what performance-enhancing drugs do if this is, in fact, you know, something that, you know, improves their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's the performance-enhancing drugs push, you know, athletes, in this case the horses, you know, kind of to their limits and beyond. So do we see horses have a greater tendency to to break down because they've been medicated on the day of racing, um, you know, and then they're treated with lots of drugs throughout their mm-hmm. racing life. So, you know, is there an overall impact right. from how they're kind of managed with different types of medications to kind of build strength right. and that sort of thing that, you know, leads to some of these deaths at the track? I gathered from your column, I didn't know until I read your column, that apparently, in, in is it in Europe? They uh, had yeah. banned this, and they've had fewer horse racing deaths, but whether they're exactly connected, I guess nobody knows. Right, nobody knows. There was a um, trainer uh, in who does racing in Europe who wrote a New York Times op-ed piece that made that case that, you know, in Europe, horses don't race on, you know, they, they're not treated with Lasix on the day of races, and, you know, if they can do that there, why can't we do it here, I mean, I think one thing that's tricky right now is there's not a bit, you know, there's not a consensus on what is, um, you mm-hmm. know, causing horse deaths, or even if, I, you know, I'd really have to look and see, are there a lot more of them, or are we just paying more attention? I think that's a factor, too. Yeah. I mean, I just think there's more concern for the, you know, for the welfare of horses, as you've seen more movement in the animal rights activism community to look at tracks and see what's going on with the the animals um, and how they're treated and what happens to them. So I think there's a growing awareness, and that's kind of spurring a broader conversation about this issue. And, you know, I think there's a sense in racing that it'd be good to get a handle on that, you know, the sport could could suffer if people just decide, Mm -hmm. you know, it's too much. I don't like the idea that a horse might die during a race because it's being raced so hard. I I can stop going to the track. So I think there's some sense that something should be done about it. And I think, um, I think I mentioned this in my column, there is kind of a date by which these, a consortium of tracks, including the ones run by NYRA, New York Racing Association, um, plan to phase out, I think, same-day use of LASIK. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would be a significant change. Then you kind of see what the what the outcome mm-hmm. is. Uh, one story that's frequently uh, in the news with no real uh, outcome uh, yet uh, has to do with the St. Clair's pensioners. St. Clair's uh, uh, was a Catholic hospital in Schenectady, which closed. It's being uh, used for other uh, health facilities. But the people on uh, pension uh, from St. Clair's apparently have found that the uh, their pension funds run out of money. So the question comes, who's going to help them? Uh, Governor Cuomo was uh, called out by State Senator Jim Tedisco from Schenectady County because Cuomo said he had to look into the problem, did not appear to be aware of the issue. Honestly, I thought that was kind of surprising. Right, yeah, it was kind of surprising because, of course, um, 
it's gotten a fair amount of attention. It was sort of a topic. Well, it was a topic for us during the legislative session. But as you know, that was a very busy session, and things get you know pushed aside. And I mean, I think the challenge with that particular issue, the pensioners in St. Clair's, is you know making it clear to the the leadership and the majority you know, which is now, you know, all Democratic, a lot of downstate representatives, that this is an important local issue that, you know, they do well to pay attention to. And I think that's sort of the the challenge. I mean, the other challenge is just finding people, you know, everybody agrees that what happens to the pensioners, it, you know, it's it's a shame. Like, you shouldn't be promised a pension and then you're, you can't, you don't get it because the, the fund is out of money. But, you know, who pays or the form that sort of a bailout mm-hmm. would take to these people, that's where it's a little more dicey. And I think there was some sense that maybe the state could contribute something, but they weren't getting anywhere with the local diocese, which, you know, has sort of denied responsibility for um, for the pensioners, saying it it had sort of a... I can't remember the wording that they use for it, but they're basically like, that might have been kind of a Catholic hospital, but we weren't really in charge of it. I mean, you can debate that, but that's sort of been their position, which they haven't budged from. So whether we see a return to this issue in next year, I imagine we will. But I think one of the big challenges is just getting through the kind of din in Albany and getting um, lawmakers who aren't even from this area to to pay attention to this mm-hmm. issue or at least um, decide that they want to be part, the state should make an investment. At times I thought they were they might be close this session, so uh, you know, and and it ended with you know on a frustrating note for the pensioners. But there may I haven't completely given up hope that. Um, something will come together for them. But mm-hmm. it, it obviously won't be as soon as, as they would like. Mm-hmm. We're talking with Sarah Foss, a columnist for the Daily Gazette. Let's go back to a couple of uh, Schenectady issues. Uh, we've brushed by this, or we've used the name. There is a casino in Schenectady, the Rivers Casino, and it appears financially to be doing better. It now has sports betting, for example. Uh, mm-hmm. would, you, would you say, I mean, it seems to be financially doing better? Yeah, it, you know, it's it's doing fine. It's doing well. I mean, the thing, you know, we often harp upon, and I don't think we're wrong to do so, the fact that, you know, they're not going to meet their projections of what they told us that their revenues would be. But when you look at how much money they make, um, you know, they're you know, they're doing well. And I think that Rivers here in Schenectady is probably one of, the, you know, the top performer of the new upstate casinos i think they just had a better sense of their market and you know they've also benefited from yes they'll benefit from being the first casino to have um you know one of the first four in the states have sports betting they have a unique partnership with um the state where they have a you know an otb parlor you know they're like the only casino in new york to have that mm-hmm. arrangement so you know they are doing you know, fine. I mean, I don't know what that means, you know, their okay. long-term prognosis is. But, I mean, right now I think they have every reason to be, you know, pleased with how they've, you know, come along steadily increasing um, revenues and kind of adding new attractions. 
Also, you did a, a column about uh, the absence from public view of Lady Liberty. There used to be a replica of the Statue of Liberty in uh, the Schenectady Park, which was which still is across from uh, the community college uh, near the Western Gateway Bridge. Uh, it seems from that column, and maybe things have changed, that it's hard to find out what's even happened to the statue. <laughs> right. It's sort of, it's been a bit of a, mis- of a mystery, and, you know, I hadn't, It's not a topic I'd written about until, well, that column, uh, maybe two weeks. You know, because all along it seemed like, you know, the word we had heard was eventually Lady Liberty will reappear somewhere. It may not be in that park. It may be somewhere else in the city. You know, I looked back at the story that we wrote in 2017 when she was moved, you know, ostensibly to protect her while construction was going on nearby. It was like, you know, we're going to have a plan for her pretty soon. Mayor McCarthy, and, you know, it seems like as time has passed, there's been fewer specifics being offered for what was going to happen, but we thought there was going to be an announcement on July 4th um, about Lady Liberty, and then there wasn't one, and there's no indication of when there might be one. You know, we've heard some rumors, and I think I referenced them, that, you know, maybe the base is damaged. So I could see that being a bit of a holdup and also some reluctance to admit that somehow the base was damaged. It's actually going to cost more money than anticipated to get Lady Liberty back into shape. I mean, I think my attitude with Lady Liberty is, like, there is a neat history behind these Lady Liberty statues that, that you know, they were um, funded by back in, I think, like, 1951 to celebrate the organization's anniversary. And, you know, there were, you know, over 200 Lady Liberties put up all over America by local Boy Scout troops. And, you know, a lot of them don't exist anymore, is my understanding. Mm -hmm. And, And here we have one. And it's sort of like, you know, why wouldn't we celebrate this and do what we can to kind of highlight it as a local attraction? And instead, you know... My understanding is Lady Liberty's been stashed away in a in a city garage, and we've we've had no word on when she might come back out in public. So the lack of information is frustrating. But I mean, beyond that, it's sort of like you know, what is the problem? Yeah, the problem? Why wouldn't we want this statue in our community? You know, mm. uh, Sarah Foss uh, with us. Uh, you're uh, a, a bicyclist. You enjoy enjoy that. I do. And- I used to bike a lot more before I had. My son, but yes, yes, I have done a lot of biking. So, and we just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, what is a ghost bike, and why is there one on Riverview Road? Yeah, a ghost bike is a bike painted white, an old bike that's put in a site, a location where a cyclist was was killed, generally hit by a car. And you know, the purpose is that you know their function is a memorial, but also as sort of a tool for raising awareness you know when you see it the the hope is, you know if you're driving is that maybe you slow down a little bit or you know keep an eye out for cyclists and you know think about them a little bit more when you're behind the wheel of a car so i mean that the one on riverview road is not the only one in the area um but it celebrated I mean, celebrate not the right word. It marked its um, 15th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a young GE um, 
was he an engineer, a physicist, mm-hmm. researcher of some type? He, he was here from Great Britain, and, and he was killed in that spot. And mm-hmm. so um, they replaced um, the bike that had been there really since after he died with a newer, mm-hmm. you know, freshly painted one. And really a nice spot mm-hmm. uh, kind of below an orchard on this kind of rural stretch of road where I'm sure it's, you know, a great place to bike, but it is narrow without much shoulder. So it is, you know, exactly the sort of spot that would attract cyclists because it's, you know, it's pretty, it's out in the country, mm-hmm. but cars could speed around that those turns and, um, you know, occasionally present a public safety threat. We're out of time. You've been listening to Talk of the Town on Magic 590 plus 100.5. Also heard in the Glens Falls Lake George region on 1410 and 96.9. Our guest uh, today, Sarah Foss, news columnist for the Daily Gazette newspaper. This program's available as a podcast on albanymagic.com and bobcudmore.com. I'm Bob Cudmore.